what you come to find over doing that type of an exercise time and time and time again is even when you're throwing out some of your best ideas, you know, you're wrong 70, 80, 90% of the time. And that's a, that's a humbling experience to, to just be wrong over and over and over again. But it also starts to remove the preciousness of your guesses. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, and I am Yvonne Marchese, your host. This week, I am talking to one of my favorite people in this world, my friend, Mike Olson. He's going through some changes right now, and frankly, they're big changes. And I'm so thrilled that he took some time to sit with me and puzzle through where he's headed next for you guys. I hope you you know, get a little something for yourself out of this little exploration. So by way of introduction, Mike is married to one of my best friends, Denise. And I remember when I met Mike, oh, so many years ago, when I was living in New York and my friend Denise, who would occasionally come visit us from Colorado, brought him with her. Kind of a big deal, right? Meeting the new boyfriend. So now Denise usually stayed with us in our very small New York apartment. So this meant her new boyfriend would also be staying with us. Potentially awkward, right? But you know when you meet someone and you just know that you're going to be friends for life. I know that hardly ever happens, but that's what happened when we met Mike. We knew he was a keeper. It was clear from the beginning that he was funny, smart, talented, and humble, an unusual combination, and he would totally be blushing right now. So anyway, I'm going to stop going on and on and just let you hear Mike's story. Let's go. All right, my friend. Okay. Hello. 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 Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. um, I am... What am I trying to say? I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of verklempt a little bit that, that you would t- take the time to talk to me right now. Oh my goodness. And, uh, yeah, Cause I know that, you know, I know you're in the middle of, um, of a lot. Yeah. And I just <laughs> am so blown away at how brave it is to come and talk to me about your process. I um, I can't imagine anybody else I'd rather talk to uh, with about it. Uh, I, you and I have always been good at this talking thing um, ever since I've met you and ever since I've known you. And um, I think this is uh, a particularly apt moment for us both. I am so excited for you. I'm so proud of you that you've gotten this started and off the ground. And, and I think it's such a neat idea from the perspective of... Um, how many of us out there in this group, in this age range, uh, yeah. um, just kind of took whatever the first thing was that was given to us, right? That was still a part of some of the pre-programming for us uh-huh. as kids. It was just, hey, a good job's coming down the pipe. And the first one that comes by, you better grab that brass ring and just go. Whether yeah. it yanks your arm off or not, because uh, you got to, you, you got to figure this out for yourself and your family. And the earlier you do, you, you, you do that, you get going and you keep going and whatever that is. And, you yeah. know, and now I've been in marketing for 26 years. So, <laughs> so that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. 
So, so let's go back. Yeah. Rewind. Uh, you like my sound effects? I loved that. That was a good <laughs> rewind. I wait. That was a sound effect. You did that with your mouth. You didn't just have that in some sort of digital something something. Yeah, I have hidden talents. That's, yeah. uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, okay. So, so take me back to, um, I just kind of want to get a sense of your whole, like, I mean, I know a a bit about you for as long as we've known each other, but I know there's things I don't know. And, um, for people listening right now, I kind of want to give them a sense of Michaelson and ah, the full story, like, how you got to where you are right now. Just like, give me, give me like your thumbnail with whatever you feel comfortable. The the 10,000 foot view. Um, I've gotten to, you know, um, in, in the midst of, especially when you find yourself job interviewing a lot, which, which I have off and on, um, you, you get to tell this story a lot anyway. So, um, I, I actually, although I've been in marketing for 20 some years now, um, I did not study marketing in college like most people. Um, what I ended up doing was not what I was studying in the first place. Um, I was a vocal performance major. I, I had hoped to sing for a living and actually um, about three months shy of my graduation, um, my acapella group back when nobody knew what the heck an acapella group was, uh-huh. um, got, got a record deal. We actually got a deal, um, from a small label to do some singing and touring and recording. So it was before you graduated that it came was, wow. it, came, it came three months that. before graduation. And I said, uh, can, can we put this off for three more months? And they said, nope. And, um, wow. we were, we were on the road within, it was within two weeks we were out on the road um, after we signed the deal with them. And, Ooh, whirlwind! Um, as a as a as a vocal performance major, that's all I wanted anyway. So I figured right. instead of the piece of paper, I would trade it in for the paycheck. And um, uh-huh. and we did that for ten years. Um, it was the best time. It was the best time. I was I was hanging out with four of my dearest friends, and although wow. we weren't making a ton of money, we were making a living. And we were out on the road 36 weeks a year. And wow. um, I didn't get, realize that it was 10 years. 10 years of, That's of doing that. That's a long time. It is. It's a long you, time to be making your living, doing what you love. Yeah, I was with retired. With the people you love. <laughs> That's awesome. I, it, it was amazing. And, and yet... Um, you know, you're on the week on the road 36 weeks a year. And I, I know you've mm. toured as a performer in your mm. past and you've been out on that. Uh, <laughs> my, my friends and family may never see me again route. Um, uh-huh. But we started uh, all getting married and we started having kids. And, and you also mm. know my kids. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there came a point um, a couple of years in that my eldest did not seem to immediately recognize me when I walked in the door. Oh. And and there's that moment where you go, I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing this oh wrong. Oh my gosh. How old was she when that happened and you? Um, she, you know, when, when, I've, when we all started to back off, she was two. Um, she was oh. coming up on two. And so that must have been crushing. Yeah, it was. It, oh. Well, it was in both ways. It was, it was crushing to realize that I wasn't doing 
heard the service that I needed to. And it was crushing to know that this thing that we had been dreaming about for a long time yeah. needed to take a big step back and, wow. and we didn't think it would support itself. And, and it turned out that it didn't. Um, but during that time, while I had been singing and performing, I'd also realized that uh, I might not get to do that for the rest of my life. And so mm-hmm. I'd started doing some training. Um, we wrote a lot of our music on Apple computers. Um, and back then, the other thing that Apples were really good at was uh, graphic design and marketing tools. And so um, when we'd be on the road in North Dakota, bored out of our minds, and there wasn't much to do in town, I would just sit in my room and make posters and things for the group, like marketing materials. So you started marketing for the group first. I did. Oh, and, hey, and, that totally makes sense. I gotcha. And, and the stuff I was making was just awful. It was, it was terrible. It was so, <laughs> it was so ugly and sort of, you know, stick them up, Mickey Rooney, Rooney, let's make a poster type of thing. You know, it was <laughs> just, it was, show. It was, exactly. <laughs> it, was just, it was so bad. Um, but oh. I knew it was bad and, and I could take it and compare it to stuff that I knew was good and look at it and go, okay, why is mine bad? And why is theirs good? And I'm, if nothing else, I'm really stubborn. Um, and so I just kind of kept banging my head against the wall until my stuff started looking good enough that like my friends would say, wait, you made this type of thing. And, nice. and so um, I knew that I knew that I was improving. Um, by the time we stopped singing, I knew I had gotten pretty decent. Um, and so I went to work for a company um, in Boulder, Colorado um, that worked around the 911 industry. Uh, my first job with them was literally the marketing admin. I was the type up letters and get everybody coffee and tea uh-huh. guy. Uh-huh. Um, but after 10 years there, um, I, I left as their creative director. And, and so wow. I'm just, I'm wow. just more than anything, I'm just stubborn. And when I find something that fascinates me, I just hang on to it like, like crazy. Um, that, that started pushing me into the world of quantitative and qualitative because um, creative was fun, but having some boss walk in after you'd spent, you know, like 40 hours working on a series of posters to walk in and go, I like the blue one and walk back out. And you're like, that was, that was a lot of my life. You just, you just ate up there, buddy. You know, so, um, so it, it changed into, um, I, I wanted to learn more about how do I let audiences? How do I let consumers tell me what the right decisions are Mm -hmm, in these mm -hmm. cases? And that's where I started walking down the road of things like A-B testing and consumer feedback, um, Mm -hmm. things like that, psychology. uh, And and I'm so geeky about all of that stuff, the math behind all of that and everything that um, once I found that, I I knew that I had found something that really got me excited. Um, and I've just been building my career on top of that ever since. Um, I, wow. I, I met uh, the beautiful girl that I am married to now, who you are pretty familiar with. Yeah, um, lovely I, Denise. The lovely Denise. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have spent the better part of the last 12 years um, building on top of that qualitative and quantitative stuff um, out in L.A., and... Um, anymore. Uh, I've, I've gone from the marketing communications coffee and tea guy to um, I, I'm typically a VP of marketing at my last couple of stops now. It's, amazing. And it's, it's, it's just been um, 
I, I think a lot of uh, sheer dumb luck and a lot of uh, banging my head against the wall repeatedly and um, just not giving up, just over and over, not giving up. Yeah. And yeah. innate talent is, is mixed into that, but I appreciate, I love the grit factor of it, which I think is so key because you can't, I mean, talent gets you so far Yeah, and you know, it is that stubbornness of digging into things and, and just not taking no for an answer that I, really, I don't remember really who said that, you know, that basically you create your luck. I, that, that, mm-hmm. that luck is a much more a matter of uh, being ready for that thing to come around. But yeah. um, I, I couldn't agree with that concept more. I, I think you create your luck. Yeah. Did, did you go back and complete your degree? I never did. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm glad that's your answer. Yeah, actually, I never did. I because never did. <laughs> I think a lot of times people limit themselves um, by not having that piece of paper and thinking, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't have a college degree or I don't, whatever, whatever certification or thing that's going to prove their worth on a piece of paper. I think if people don't have that, sometimes they let that stop them. So, oh my yeah. gosh, kudos to you for not letting that stop you. It's Thank amazing. you. Um, I, I, to say it didn't hold me back a little bit would be a misnomer for sure, especially earlier on. Um, mm-hmm. There's the, I mean, uh, to this day, it's a, it's a big question on every application you see out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were definitely moments along the way that I knew that I lost out on something because an interviewer would say, do you mm-hmm. have a degree? And I would say no. And, and that was the end of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the longer I've gone and the more um, I've just been stubborn about continuing to climb that ladder, um, the less and less that seems to matter along the way. So I'm, I'm certainly not here to be a proponent of, uh, don't bother with college. Although, right. um, you know, I, I do think that what you get in return for what you pay is, uh, not in the student's favor, but, uh, mm-hmm. but still, I'm not, I'm not here to advocate necessarily that, but I, right. I can't tell you that, um, I'm, I'm at least one example of if you're stubborn enough and, uh, keep, keep slugging away at it enough, you can, you can eventually get around that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, truth be told, you know, I have the bachelor's degree, but it's in theater. So. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'd have finished exactly. I'd have finished my degree for in vocal performance, and so right. um, and and honestly, even back then, when I when we weren't on the road sixteen weeks a year, I was typically making my money in radio on the side. So my resume basically said, put a microphone in front of this guy's face, or right. He's How totally did lost. you get into doing the radio? Um, and where did that come in? Like, like I, uh, I when I was in college, I started working for um, I started working for the campus radio station for free um, because I wanted to be on air like crazy. My uncle had done it when I was a kid, and so I was just I, I just romanticized the heck out of it. Um, I was also terrible at that, um, but I, I just kept working at it once they let me on air. Um, and I parlayed that into eventually weekend overnights at a local radio station. Um, wow. I would work Saturday and Sunday night from midnight to 6 a.m. Wow. And 
yeah, yeah. and it was this is in favorite. between road gigs it or? was yeah oh my goodness uh, and I just and I loved uh, I loved it I loved doing it so much overnights are my favorite time of the night anyway um and so uh I just I just kept on and um yeah, it's it's still uh, voiceover is still kind of a fascination for me. I love yeah, it. Yeah, well, you have a great voice for it. Yeah. So Thanks. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Oh my goodness. Um, so where so, so so let's get you up a little bit closer to your to your recent. Yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, after 26 years of doing this marketing thing, I, I have come to realize that um, I may have finally burned out a little bit on on this thing. That um, it was a it was a nice transition out of uh, the artistic piece, but it definitely uh, I've I've come to a point where I'm starting to realize that I'm doing the same things over and over again. That I'm I'm kind of the same levers over and over again and, mm. and more than anything I keep finding myself in a position where I'm doing that in ways that I'm not head over heels in love with what my employer might want me to do mm. basically um, mm -hmm. and and so um, as I keep coming across these uh, I don't know what else to call them but sort of spiritual conundrums that way um, I find myself wanting to make a transition um, out of marketing after all this time. I, I have enjoyed it and it has been very kind to me and I am still, uh, I find myself tired of finding ways to convince people to buy something mm -hmm. one more time. Um, and, and that's just after tens and tens of thousands of tries at, at that type of thing. So um, I started spending some time a little over a year ago, trying to make some decisions as to where I might want to take things next. Um, and, and I started breaking apart what it is that I really want to um, do, like what, what I want the end result and end feeling of, of what I'm up to, uh, to change. And mm -hmm. so a um, little, little over a year ago, I made a, a couple of choices as to things I'd like to start doing to make some money on the side. Um, and in the last six months, I have started training on a couple of different fronts, basically to start teaching myself um, some new career paths so that um, I'm, I'm still marketing. I'm still doing some contracting for folks on the side and, mm -hmm. and picking up pieces here and there because, um, you know, even, even with these new uh, exciting possibilities and desires, I can't just tell everybody I'm, I'm now this thing and just start having people pay me because I say so. Um, so I'm still, so still working with on us. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell us a little something about what's next. I mean, I know, but, uh, you do. You know. I was yes. going to say you're, you're, you're on the inside of a lot of this. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, um, 
a couple of the things that I've really been looking to try to do is um, I, I'd really like to make a difference for people that I feel are underserved out there. And there are so many uh, possible underserved communities out there to, to go and be of some use and help with. But one of the ones that has been, that has touched my heart ever since I was a kid, I used to do a lot of volunteering in this regard um, is with the elderly. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that, I really wanted to spend some time around um, in that regard um, was finding ways that I might help that community um, from a career perspective. And so um, one of the two things that I'm studying to be when I still don't eventually grow up um, (laughs) is is I'm studying to be a death doula. And that's a fairly new something out there in the world over the course of the last five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I'm not in love with the naming convention, but it's. um, Right. So when you first told me this, I was like, what? A what? 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 What's what's a death doula? A death doula. What is a death doula? Um, it it really is exactly as it would sound. I think a lot of people are familiar with the idea of a birth doula and somebody who is there to help a mother uh, bring a baby into the world um, in in a maybe like a non hospital setting or something along those lines. A, a death doula um, serves a very similar role to someone like a hospice worker, um, but where a hospice worker um, is is basically a lot of their role is to help somebody transition from life to death uh, more along the physical lines you know um do, do you have your meds is is, mm-hmm. is your diaper changed are you comfortable basically mm-hmm. um the death doula does a lot of that work plus um a lot of work with and for the family around things like their uh planning for the funeral and knowing what their um capabilities and rights are situationally based on you know uh where they live and and what's possible it's it's more to do with the spiritual end for the person who's passing away you know more more conversational and helping them uh maybe maybe uh music or memories that were particularly precious to them helping that transition be something that's a little more peaceful and meaningful because you know um it's one of the scariest moments of any of our lives, you know, yeah. that, that sort of last slippery slope. So what does that look like when, when you, when you talk about music and, and helping people through those last moments and the conversation, like. It's, isn't, isn't that the right question? Um, for, from my perspective, um, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm only starting my training. So I've, I've been, part of some of this and I'm looking forward to um, moving forward even further but um, at least the couple of times that I have participated in um, it's more that early interview with somebody and his his or her family um, understanding what music was meaningful to them at a very uh, precious moment in their lives Mm It's, you know, music has never been more accessible than it is right now. So mm-hmm. um, the, the look on somebody's face when you're able to pull up a piece that was meaningful to them from the 1940s or 1950s, mm-hmm. as they're in the midst of one of the scariest and most unfamiliar moments in any of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
the the peace that something like that can bring just just uh and and music's always been such a huge part of my life anyway yeah but watching yeah. sort of the 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 calming um and and sort of reset that that can bring to somebody who's in the midst of of such a stressful moment um such such powerful stuff i love um, that idea there's um i know when john um was working at um he was working at a place called the open center in new york city as a events coordinator there yeah. was a woman there who um and i i am not going to be able to remember her name my brain is such a sieve but she would um she played the harp Oh wow. Was her instrument. And so she but her particular calling was to play people over to the other side. And wow. yeah. Yeah. Wow. So very similar idea, but I love the idea of being able to, based on having conversations with the family or the person, being able to plan that and and, and know something that's super significant to that person. Yeah. Um, that, that particular music for them. That's so yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and I think, you know, combinations of that and some of the conversations that so few of us, um, are, are ready or sometimes even willing to have, even with mm -hmm. our loved ones. Um, mm -hmm. I think, and, and I think that that's such a high priority for folks who are, um, at the end of their lives, um, finding, finding somebody to have those meaningful chats with, even, even if what is meaningful to them, isn't necessarily meaningful to everybody else who's on the listening end of that conversation. And so, um, I, I just in my early training, um, it certainly strikes to the core of me and I have been so, um, appreciative of just, the situations I've already been in and what I've already learned that I, I know that this is a really, uh, this is going to be a very strong something for me. And it's going to, it and, and the other thing I'm, I'm training on are going to really change the nature of our inbound income. And um, we've already worked that out because you, you come to a point that you come to understand that uh, what, what you're putting back into the world is so much more important than, uh, Mm -hmm. a piece of paper with some numbers on it. So Yeah. So I'm curious. I mean, it's such a hard it's such a hard left turn. <laughs> right turn, whichever. Um I, downturn. Just, just to digress. <laughs> just to digress. I I it's like I didn't grow up speaking the English language because half the time that I try to use an <laughs> idiom, I get it no, wrong. I, I actually, I think left turn was exactly the right is idiom. Is it left I, turn? Yeah. Is it right? Okay. Uh, no, I'm I think, like, is I think it right were, or left? I don't no, know. I think it was perfect. I, I, I question I think myself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was right there with you. No, left okay, there cool. with you. Whatever. Either or. <laughs> so, so I guess my question where I was trying to go with that was... Um, <laughs> how did you even know to think to do this? Like what, what brought you down this particular path? I, you know, um, it was actually something that I spent a good, probably eight months making both of these decisions simultaneously. Um, and you're right. It was, it was a massive departure. And so 
it was a lot of time thinking day over day over day, just spending time saying, okay, who, who do I want to be of service to? How do I want to be of help? What, what is palatable to me and what is not? I mean, I've, I've had several folks ask me about this, um, this pivot, um, at least the death duel, a part of this pivot, because there's such a, there's, there's an emotional toll to doing Mm -hmm. this, right? I mean, these, these are people passing away and, and that will, that's, that's hard on anyone. It gets under anyone's skin. Um, I, I know that that's going to be one of the heavy weights of doing this. Um, and, and I think that that's something that, although I'm trying to steal myself for and, and prep myself for, um, I know that that's going to be one of the heavy costs of doing this sometimes is just yeah. the, the emotional factor of all of that. But um, I, th- I think for me, from an equation perspective, the, the, what I, what I get back out of that, what I see the person get back out of that and what I see the family get back out of that um, is so, so, so outweighs um, the, the momentary tolls of, of the emotional piece. Um, I, I'm really excited about it. And, and so it wasn't a decision I came to very lightly. Um, and, How did you and, even know what a death doula was or that such a thing existed? Like, um, where did that come from? I, I actually started doing research um, into hospice. It was originally hospice that I thought I was going to be starting oh. to pursue. And, oh. and this death doula thing is, like I said, fairly new. And, um, and again, the, the naming of it, if, if it weren't so perfectly descriptive of, of what it is you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really hate the naming convention. It's, it's a little bit, it's not just a little bit morbid, it's a little uh, incongruous. And so um, I, I didn't love that piece of it, but every time I've thought of it, um, I can't think of a better way to sort of illustrate exactly what the role is. Um, I stumbled across it when I was doing research on hospice and the idea of um, you know, a lot of hospice workers actually take that extra step to work in the psychological piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. but that's not actually a part of what they've signed on for. And it's not actually why they're there. And that's why some families end up so surprised that you end up with a hospice worker who's pretty much like, nope, I, I plug the pills in and, mm-hmm. and you do all the rest and there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, so, because I think part of, part of working hospice is, is probably maintaining a distance from, from it so that you're protecting uh, yourself from that emotional toll. Absolutely. Um, was there a personal um, trigger for you that, like, why the elderly? Like, what, how I, did you know that that was pulling you? Um, I volunteered a ton as a young man um, in a bunch of different regards. And, and while I found each of those experiences very touching, very moving, um, and I'd volunteer in places like um, soup kitchens or, uh, you know, uh, up in the mountains. I grew up in Colorado, so there was some great stuff to go just do for volunteer work. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the place that always got to me every time I went um, was we had a we had a local uh, care facility that was one of the first of its kind. Um, it was an Alzheimer's facility mm-hmm. that was split. Um, uh, 
to have uh, the other half of the facility be non, non-Alzheimer's because one of the big factors of, of the late stages of Alzheimer's is um, spouses start forgetting their, their long time, you know, spouse mm-hmm. of 50 years and they start attaching to somebody that they see in the home every day. And so mm-hmm. the ability to have grandma move in basically across the hallway, she's not, she's not in lockdown like the Alzheimer's folks, but to basically be there where she didn't need a ride every day and she could keep that oh, connection. Yeah. yeah. Just wow. the difference you saw That's it make. a mind blowing thing to even think about happening. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, and, and every time I would work there at that particular facility, I, I would literally walk out like somebody had just supercharged me. I, I was so, and, and that could have been from cleaning up rooms or helping people with glitter pictures or, or whatever it was I was doing that day. Just, yeah. just helping in, in what I saw going on there every time, just, just fired me up to, to an amazing degree. So it was, it was one of the pieces of the puzzle that I knew I wanted to have be long-term. Um, you know, and there's still, look, I mean, there's some scary aspects to this, right? I mean, we're right in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Uh, I, I literally, as I'm studying this and thinking about this, I'm like, oh, I may be actually volunteering myself as I'm getting along in years over uh-huh. the next 20, uh-huh. 30 years of my life to be going into the homes of folks who are sick enough to cause right. me harm. What, yeah. what, what is that? Wow. What's that all about? You know, That's so, a whole new wrinkle. It is. Uh-huh. It is. Um, and, and so far, um, I, I still feel very strongly that this is the path I want to keep, a, a path I want to keep pursuing. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And, um, and it's off to a great start. So, yeah. and, and I think there's, uh, I, I, you know, not to, not to get all uh, crazy political for a second, but there's a $30 billion death industry out there that kind of preys on people at the worst and hardest moments of their life that I also wouldn't yeah. mind being a part of being a little bit of a disruptor. And so, and so that's part of it as well as helping with that end of things. It is. Yeah. 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 I mean, families don't realize or understand their rights. Um, there's, there's a lot of times that you'll see people get into situations where, you know, uh, a mortuary or something is basically saying you, you got to pay us to get that body basically. Um, I mean, it, it can get wow. pretty evil pretty fast and, wow. and, you know, we've probably most of us at this point have been preyed on after some fashion, at least in a, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't mom want the prettier casket type of thing? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I find it to be a, a, uh, an unhealthy situation, I think would be the kindest way I could say that without cursing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. 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 You know, well, you know, what's really funny, Mike, is that I have another friend who's actually think who's given thought to the, do the death doula track, which just is, I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. It's what? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. I, I, I love, I can hear how, um, how significant this is to you. It is. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, it, it, it's touching my heart and, um, 
and I also, I think it's, I think it's a perfect time. It's not just a perfect time for me in my life, but I think it's also a perfect time for um, some of these types of uh, slightly alternative solutions to be out there in the world. I think mm-hmm. um, one of the great things that's come out of so much of the last 20 plus years is uh, all of us seeing that there's 15 ways to a path. Mm-hmm. Or 15 ways at least to a to a point that we're trying to get to um and and i just want to help people a little bit uh understand that there's another path besides that that one that we've all gotten so accustomed to that mm-hmm. way so yeah 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 it's exciting yeah it, i mean it, it's it's um i think so many of us we've we've we had down a path for a certain amount of time and you've just invested so much yeah at that point and to get off that path is like it's the the devil you know versus the devil you don't know right well and and i mean i i think you're i think you're dead on the money i mean i i've spent 26 years in this business to get myself to a level that you know at least at least my title says vp i feel like the janitor most days but um you know, at least the, the title says VP and uh, there was a ton of wrestling with that idea, you know, it, that, that paycheck built up with it as well. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, we, we live in LA, so a nice paycheck, just, just sort of the, the, the barrier to entry here. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's not, uh, it's not like we've saved up a ton for me to take this big leap. Um, but but there comes a point along the way for, I think for all of us that you start to say, I, this is not feeding me anymore. You know, this does Uh not satisfy my soul. And, uh, and, and I think there's options and alternatives for all of us to find that. And, and I think that one of the nicest parts about getting to this age is I don't care anymore what anybody else thinks of what my solution is isn't that one of the i mean that is really one of the things that can be a gift with with age yeah yeah hundred percent yeah if if i want to if i want to open a candy store for aardvarks i'm you know get get out of my way basically uh, uh, why didn't i think of that (laughs) dang it aardvarks like candy so much Uh, but but yeah i i I do um i I think that that's something that at at this time of of our lives i think it becomes pretty incumbent upon us to either um, find those solutions and grasp them for all we're worth or at least uh, understand that that's not the path that we've decided we want to take, but there's, you, you know, you start to see that you're in the second half of all of this. And if you don't feel like you've made yourself happy up until that moment, uh, I, I think, I think the clock is ticking mm-hmm. basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. And there's, um, I was listening to another podcast as I do, um, being the junkie that I am. As, as, as you do. And they were talking about uh, embracing uncertainty. Um, and I loved the, the idea, and I've been kind of carrying this little phrase around with me. It was actually two different questions 
that I've now taken and gone, whoop, I've, I've, I've pushed them into one um, in, the, in the whole idea of embracing uncertainty, which is the first question being, why not? And the second question being, what would it look like? Mm. And to take both of those and, and, and just mash it together, I'm like, why not? What would yeah. it look like? Yeah. Like whatever it. is that next thing, like to just, just to embrace that uncertainty to just step in and be like, okay, just consider it. I think, you know? and I think, I think that's really important. I, it's, um, you know, I'll, I'm also lucky that I'm a big part of my career that quantitative and qualitative piece really is, you know, day after day, um, proposing answers to questions and failing at them repeatedly. Mm -hmm. So you come, you come to finally understand that it's more about just moving on to the next question as opposed to agonizing over mm. why, why not basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's put me in a very similar mindset to what you're describing there. And I think, I think one of the things that's really troubling for us as human beings, especially when we've built up that 20 some years of a career and, and you you feel like you've got all that momentum and you've got all that impetus um, is we're not very good at asking ourselves that why not question anymore. Mm -hmm. We ask ourselves why a hundred times over and, mm -hmm. and there's a million reasons why, why not to change? You know, I've, you've, you've already done this for 26 years. You've only, mm -hmm. you've only got, I don't know, you know, 15 more years of this to go You're You're over halfway. Just, just get your head down and slug it out and keep, yeah. keep going. Right. Yeah. Or, 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 or there's so many. Yeah. The why so not question is one that actually um, has been helpful to me for a while. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I give credit to one of my old bosses for it. Um, who has a very, I mean, he's an entrepreneur. He, he, and that, that's his driving that gets him through. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? And I, what I love is, is the creative aspect, this little tag on that I think I have to give, I think if I remember right, it was a conversation between Tara McMullen and Lou Blazer. Lou Blazer was on one of my past interviews, um, was interviewed on, uh, what works by Tara McMullen, which you and yeah. I have talked about before, which I and, love. Um, so it's a great interview. Go, go listen yeah. to that one when you get a chance. Um, and, that add-on of what would it look like? Yeah. What would it look like? Yeah. Just considering I, that. Like, hmm. And I and I think that I think that when we give ourselves that permission, basically, not only to say, I will consider this as a possibility. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to just automatically discount it with my well, here's all the reasons I can't do this, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going mm -hmm. to be open to it. And then actually, I, I love what you're saying, because then actually allowing yourself a moment to visualize it, to say, mm -hmm. if I could have this thing that I think I really want, but what does everything else turn into? And, and that can be a real inspiration to actually jumping off that diving board, you know, taking that first step and, mm -hmm. and really putting yourself in a position of... Because then your why not can turn into a why. Yeah. Like the yeah. driving why, the, Absolutely. the what, what's pulling you through every day to keep doing what you're stepping into, you know, Absolutely. why not turns into, you know, this is why, this is yeah. why. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely right. Well, t so tell us uh, about your other, your other 
diversion. My my other diversion. Um, I I am also studying. Um, I'm, I'm studying hypnotherapy um, of, of all things. And, and that was something that was unfamiliar to me until this last year. But um, I had actually, uh, as, as a part of trying to sort through um, some of what I was trying to get to next, I'd had a friend rec- uh, recommend a hypnotherapist uh, to help me do some uh, visualization. Actually, this is really pertinent to what we were just talking about yeah. and, and help me find some more of, of what uh, I might be interested in. And How interesting. So, so I know nothing about hypnotherapy. Um, I, I didn't really either beyond until like, I started you know, a year ago. like a duck, walk like a duck, whatever, yeah. but, uh, yeah. or a chicken, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, so what, uh, what's the visualization aspect of that? Um, I, I, that's really interesting. I had no idea. That well, that was. um, it was, it was something that I thought I might actually add into a death doula practice at first when I first started looking at it because, uh, it, it basically ended up being tremendously powerful to me and, and just immediately. And it wasn't something that I necessarily thought I would pursue. Um, but, but it was of such immediate impact to me that I started asking myself uh, the, the what if and why not sort of questions basically around it. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it is, it is not, uh, it's, it's just coming into its own as a practice. Um, and, and it's something that I've seen, uh, pretty broadly, uh, utilized across a couple of different spectrums, but what it basically amounts to, um, it, it really isn't hypnotism the way you would think of a hypnotist show, right? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not performative. No, it's, it's not, um, it's, I, So what does hypnotherapy do? So, so I'm so curious. I know you've told me what a huge impact it had for you, but I just, I'm fascinated. It really did. And, and what it, and what it basically is, is it's putting yourself, um, or it's, it's having someone put you into a more suggestible state, but you're not, you're not all the way under, you're not, you're not mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, you're not going to find yourself walking down the street with half your clothes on or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's, it's, it's nothing along those lines. It's more. Um, Nobody's going to set you up to go become like a spy for somebody. Sp- <laughs> and, yeah, the, 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 the Manchurian <laughs> candidate. Exactly. Right. Sorry. I, I, no, I love I it. I, 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 I love it. Uh, yeah. I'll be, I'll be, uh, why am I, why am I quacking like a duck right now? <laughs> you know, um, it, so, so basically um, I'll, I'll explain it from a 10,000 foot view, the way that uh, my teacher told it to me the very first time that I started in on this, um, that a lot of our subconscious brain is pre-programmed pretty much in the first three to five years of our life before mm-hmm. we really have much of any memory coming along. And, and what terrifies me about that idea is that's, that's 95% of our decision-making mm. basically, right? A lot right. of what makes our decision out of our subconscious, that, that automatic response rat brain in the back of our heads right. um, basically that stuff was, we don't even know is going on. Yeah. Happened. Happen, we, we are making those decisions based on things that pro, were programmed into us before we actually even remember. And, and those are so hardwired into us that when we basically just approach and say, I don't want to be this way anymore. Um, 
our our brain um, you're, you're talking to a part of your brain that isn't very easily accessed basically mm-hmm. right and for mm-hmm. it um, fear well change changes death and and death yeah, is something it's a protective to be feared, part of your brain right, right? And so, it's and protect, so, it's trying to protect you correct and so I think a lot of times yes exactly and we find ourselves um, trying to change something about ourselves that the harder we try to change it the more it seems to sort of like Mm. root itself mm. in and dig itself in and so I've had I had a couple of uh, things along those lines that I was really hoping to change about myself as I was hoping to go through some of this process and change it and I started working with this uh, teacher who literally um, she said I, I don't know how fast some of this will take but let's let's try some mm-hmm. of this basically and she gave me um, a hypnotherapy recording that first week for something I was trying to work on. And I woke up the next morning different. I've had to use that recording a number of times over um, to mm-hmm. just keep pushing myself off in that direction. But I woke up the next day, not only appreciably different to myself, but to several folks, including my lovely wife that I was in conversation with that day, they, to a person said, uh, uh, did, did you just, did, did you just say that? Did you just take care of that that way? And I said, I, I did. And, and each, I, I had several people notice. Are you comfortable enough to tell me more about 100%. what changed? I yeah. absolutely am. Um, I, uh, I have always had uh, a real problem with uh, sorry and apologizing and taking things onto myself that are not mine. Mm-hmm. basically. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will, I will apologize for something that the person sitting across from me did just to basically get it out of the way and keep on keeping on down the road. And it's, it's been a horrible habit over the years that was just kind of a, a defense mechanism for me to just, let's, let's just, just, just keep going basically. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and it, it literally shifted for me overnight um, because what you're basically doing is you're working your way past that, that, uh, that guard layer by um, giving yourself some meditation and relaxation techniques. You're putting your brain into a little bit more of uh, not quite a dream state, but you're, you're just relaxing all the way down to like deep meditative state. Mm -hmm. And then you're, basically uh, giving suggestions, like very clear cut suggestions of um, you're, you're, you're picturing yourself in that state and you're telling yourself that that's not the way you're going to behave any longer, mm-hmm. basically. But and it's, so do it's you more replace, a matter of- the, the, Does the idea of it to say, instead of saying you're sorry, you could yeah. do well, this? And, or and, is it something like that? Um, it's, it's actually, it's even more, instead of replacing the habit, it's replacing the thought process. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm, really I'm, to the root of it. I'm, I'm, I'm only sorry when I need to be, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I will apologize for the things that, that I have done that are worthy of it, but the rest is, uh, not mine to take on mm-hmm. type of things. Um, and, and it was, immensely powerful. Um, now, as I've been studying it more, I do also come to understand that 
some folks are not nearly as suggestible as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, those are still folks that uh, you can work with, but you've got to kind of take a slightly different tack and path that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but all of us are suggestible to some degree. And with that, if each of us is, is basically open to the possibility of change that way, um, I have found this to be a very powerful something. I've not seen it work for every person who's tried it, mm-hmm. um, but I've seen it work for an awful lot of folks, including a few folks who are positive that it wasn't going to. Um, and so I've, uh, I mean, I've seen it work for folks who are trying to work on everything from, you know, weight loss or smoking cessation to mm-hmm. um, things personality wise that they've been looking to make a change in. Um, I was lucky enough this last year um, to get to help my teacher as I've been learning um, a couple of folks who are actually going through um, some changes uh, in their sexuality uh, conversationally that uh, were struggling with it to the point of, you know, having some pretty dark and, and harmful thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been lucky to participate in a couple of sessions that way yeah. as well. I, um, yeah, I have found it to be um, an immensely powerful tool for me. And so um, I can also see that playing very nicely into some of what I uh, hope to be doing someday down the road as a death doula. Yeah. But also just, um, I, I see... I see a lot of practical application for myself, but um, I, I certainly think that if if we all can do a little better job of rewiring ourselves, um, yeah, because we make I see a lot these of decisions open opportunity there too. When we're kids, yeah, we make decisions about what's going to protect us as a child. Yeah, based on our very very limited understanding of the world and the real situation and what's actually going on around us right yeah and how often do you find yourself uh halfway back down that road of this is i i know this isn't how i want to deal with this and you're halfway through it and you catch yourself still just it's you're doing the same thing again and again and and i think we take on shame at that point and and we we take responsibility for things that had nothing to do with us Exactly. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that, you know, if you can, and, and, it, and it's just something, it's like that, um, it's the lizard brain, right? It's exactly right. Yeah. And then you've got what the prefrontal cortex. So if you can, a lot of Mel Robbins work talks about this whole idea of how to, how to get past, um, how to get past your lizard brain protective things. Like let's say you've got an idea for something, you've got an, an inspiration or, a, or a, an intuitive feeling. Oh, maybe I'll. And if you don't make a decision within like five seconds to take an action towards it, yeah. your lizard brain's gonna kick in and go, oh no, honey, that's, yeah. that's not safe. Yeah. Don't do that. Well, don't do that. This could go wrong. Look at, oh, oh my gosh. What, 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 you know, and before you know it, whoop, shut down. And, you know, because you didn't take the move while the inspiration was there, while you had that Absolutely. little flash, you know. Absolutely. Then that little back subconscious is going, oh, danger, danger. Well, Trying to help you. 
and, and not. one of the things I love so much about this idea of yours, this, this podcast, is I, I really do believe this is a huge problem for so many of us. I think so many of us hit a point where we just say, this is how it is. And, and it, you know, life didn't work out quite the way I wanted it to, but this is where it ended up. And now I'm not really going to just, I'm not going to go back and dream some more. I'm not going to get my hopes up again because I watched them get crushed before. And so... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make it through and and I'll just take whatever life gives me and and that is that is an approach that is a valid approach and and frankly a very an understandable, understandable approach <laughs> yes you know um, yeah. after I I mean it's 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 hard to pick yourself back up the first time let alone the fiftieth time mm-hmm. you know um, but. But I also, what I really love about what you're up to here is, is the inspiration, is the possibility, um, is just talking to others about how to tackle this last piece, this, this last half, and, and turn it into something that is, is joyful and meaningful and, and makes us happy people on on the second half of this journey um whether it's you know whether it's whether it's a new income or whether it's just a new inspiration and i I think um i think you're on to something very powerful here i'm i'm very i've i've loved what you've done so far and i'm really excited to see it keep going thank you so so i am wondering what's um you know i know you know I think you very much like me don't consider yourself an expert uh, on anything, any of this at all. Um, (laughs) But I am wondering um, if you were to give advice to a good friend uh, Mm. who's stuck right now, especially, especially right now. I mean, these are some extraordinary times. Yeah. Where, how would you, is there anything that you would, you you know a little little nugget a little something that's worked for you i mean clearly the hypnotherapy has been something that worked for you what what else is working for you to keep moving through this particular time that because you're you're doing great i mean you're you're mm. pushing forward you that's know that's very kind um thanks i i uh it it has felt like an uphill slog for quite a while so i, I really appreciate those words that's very sweet um i you know, a lot of this has actually come out of um, this past career. Um, one of the one of the nicest things about getting into moving from straight marketing into the user psychology and the testing um, over the last dozen years, I've run somewhere north of uh, eighteen thousand uh, psychological tests on consumer bases after some fashion. And sometimes that test is literally, do you like the blue button or do you like the orange button? But you know, some of them are much more complicated than that as well. But, um, what you come to find over doing that type of an exercise time and time and time again, is even when you're throwing out some of your best ideas, you know, you're wrong 70, 80, 90% of the time. And that's a, that's a humbling experience to, to Mm -hmm. just, be wrong over and over and over again, but it also starts to remove the preciousness of your mm. guesses. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that old uh, author uh, 
thing about kill your darlings, you know, be, be good about mm -hmm. taking those things that are precious to you and, and stabbing them when they're not serving you any, any good service. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think the advice that I would offer is even though there aren't a lot of great, what color are your sky books out there in my opinion right now, even though there aren't a ton of great services in my opinion to push you forward. Um, I think, I think the best thing that you can do instead of saying, well, I'm stuck here and I've tried to think of something else and I'm just not going to ever figure it out is to come back and start from what is your ultimate goal, right? Um, and your ultimate goal may be more money. Your ultimate goal may be to be closer to your family. Um, frankly, from my perspective, ultimate goal was just how, how do I, how do I do this? from a, not just a happy, but a, a satisfied perspective. Mm -hmm. What are the things that really satisfy me deeply? Um, and and as, as sort of 10,000 foot view as that sort of approach seems, if you can start from clear back at a, what is my ultimate goal, then you can make sure that everything from an answers perspective that you back out of that always suits whatever that that goal that you're trying to shoot for was. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, you know, when my ultimate goal was simply, I want to be happy and satisfied, it opened things up to a degree that suddenly I didn't have to say, well, how do I do that in marketing? Well, why does marketing have to be a part of that answer? You know, mm -hmm. how do I, how do I do that as a, as a, how, how do I find that happiness as a over the road truck driver? Well, why does, why does that have to be Mm -hmm. a part of the solution that maybe, maybe it does, but maybe it doesn't. And, and sometimes I think we work ourselves into these solutions where we're already saying this has to be a part of the answer. You know, why, why does that have to be a part of the answer? Be, be really thoughtful about challenging some of the assumptions mm. that go into it and understand yes. which of those things are, um, are actually assumptions that you had to make and which of them are assumptions that you've been telling yourself for years and years and years that were never true. Yeah. Basically. Who was, I, gosh, I, again, I, I can't come up with the person who said this, but they were, they were talking about keep asking why. And that, so answer your why and then keep yeah. and ask why again and ask why again and ask why and keep drilling yeah. and drilling. And we, we seem to keep coming back to why yeah. both as something that can, be be a goal a, your why your why are you doing this right your your commitment yeah. um and also digging into why does it have to be that way yeah why and okay uh, yeah why just basically put put a little three-year-old in the back of your own head and mm -hmm. why? yeah why right why yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. And I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, and, and I think that's exactly that right approach to, you know, don't, don't let the assumptions cloud a path to something that if, if I, I, I hate this old joke, but you know, if, if underwater basket weaving really does bring you that sense of joy, love and peace, who cares what everybody else thinks of what you're up to? So right on. Yeah. Right yeah. on brother. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I've, I've stepped away from um, 
you know, and I'm, I'm still consulting. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm doing a lot of marketing work on the side, but mm-hmm. I've stepped away from the sure and steady paycheck to start chasing a couple of uh, things that my uh, parents only will think of as woo woo type of uh, pursuits, but mm-hmm. um, they, they sure make me happy. And uh, I am already finding some traction in both of them to a degree that I think um, somewhere down the road, I'm going to be able to make one or both my, my full-time income. So, so excited for you. Thank you. It's, it's really, it is really exciting. It's really nerve wracking, but it's been, uh, it's been amazing so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to have to have you back on further down the line. Check in with you. I would love that. I would love that. I'm scooping ice cream and it's fantastic. (laughs) 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 Nope. I don't think that's the one. (laughs) Hey, you know. But maybe if if it is, if it is. I I do also love ice cream. So, you know. Oh, I love you, my friend. I love you too, my friend. This is thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations on this. I am so so excited for this show. Um, I I have really enjoyed everything you're up to so far. This is, I I hope this only continues to blow up for you. So thank you. I am just, it's just, it is just calling to me over and over and over again. So I got to keep taking the next step uh, down that line. I was going to say, you, you can't, you can't be telling us all how to do this if you're not doing it yourself, but, uh, look, look, you're, you're setting an example for us. Just, just right in the middle of all of it. (laughs) Watch her as she (laughs) smacks into the wall. Hey, Hey, you know, cautionary tales are still some of the great tales out there. Exactly. I'm happy to be of service. Don't, Don't do what she did. No, that's uh, no. Do do what you're doing. It's it's yeah. beautiful. This is fantastic. So there you go. Can you tell I love talking to that guy? <laughs> We're gonna have to have Mike back on to see where this takes him for sure. Um, thank you so much for listening. Oh, and before I go, I am so excited for the next couple of episodes. I'm mixing it up again. Next week is so money. I'll be talking to financial behaviorist Jaquette Timmons. She's awesome. We'll hear her story and how she became a financial coach who focuses on the human side of money. And the week after that, we're talking about fitness for the first time. Cool. By the way, um, before I go also, I just want to say I would love to have your feedback about the topics we're talking about here. So feel free to send me a message on Instagram or on Facebook. I really want to make sure I'm telling the kind of stories you want to hear. And if you enjoyed this, please leave a rating and review. You can help spread the word about this podcast so it can reach the right people. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. 